Do you hear that? That dead air? That silence. If it feels familiar, it's because that is the exact noise that was ringing through the Calgary Saddle Dome as the Calgary Flames have taken an early first-round exit at the hands of the eight-seeded Colorado Avalanche in five short games. Hi, I'm Joe Emanzada, and welcome to this very somber season-ending edition of the Seeing Red podcast. Uh, yeah, how about those fucking flames, huh? <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually at a loss. It's actually so shocking that I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I have nothing to say. And so I'm hoping to find some semblance of cohesion in my thought process somewhere along the way with the aid of my friends. I'll start off the introduction. Mr. Lawn Chair right now, a uh, bespectacled man outfitted in a beautiful Melky Cabrera jersey. <laughs> you know, because if the Flames are disappointing enough, the Kansas City Royals are uh, surely to be the cure for that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he can't eat wheat, but he's in fact bringing the heat. Matthew Goop, how's it going? Sad. Yeah. Uh, the first couple games the Flames lost, I was mad. Mm-hmm. Like we're we sh- we're better than this. Like what the fuck? Right. And honestly, watching Game Five last night, it was just sadness. Yeah. Just despair. Yeah. That's the best word. At what point in the game were you like, okay, it's probably over? Because I think we all at at various points before you know the final whistle blew, we were like, I don't think we're coming back from this. Oh man. Honestly, when Gaudreau went like. Penalty shot, breakaway, shitty, shitty attempt, then breakaway, yeah. whiff, and then the Av scored like two minutes after yeah. that, and I was just like, it's not going to happen. It, yeah, it's not our night, hey? Yeah. Yeah, that's, and you know what's fucked? is like, that was like a 2 nothing goal, right? Yeah. They're like, at that point, like, yep, dagger's in, ball game. All right, uh, <laughs> this guy has been, you know what, He he's the quiet one on the show, he's not a man of, of high highs and low lows, but was beating the drum as loud as anybody heading into the playoffs, was pissed off for greatness, really fired up for a huge playoff run, and was utterly disappointed. Cody Dickinson, the man making the magic happen. How you doing? I've been better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, like going into yesterday, I just had, I couldn't get up for the game. I right. had, I just had this feeling all day that they were just not going to show up. Mm-hmm. And then all of my fears were realized, and it just completely ruined my Friday. It was it was pretty short too. Hey, like it didn't take long at all for no. you to be like, oh yeah. As soon, probably as soon as they went down one nothing. Yep. Like in my head, I'm like, well, good season, guys. Yep. Yeah. I didn't want to project that out into yeah. the world. Good vibes only. It's game yeah. day. Yeah. We we're trying to we we're trying to keep it positive here on the Seeing Red podcast, but right. You know. Hey, they they made it very, very hard. (laughs) Totally. Uh, Yeah, I think everyone can relate to having like that, uh, that one friend that you're like, yo, uh, you're an asshole, but you're my asshole. But like right now you're making like really hard to be your friend. Yeah. Uh, And if you are listening to this and you're like, wow, uh, I don't think I have that friend. It's because you, in fact, are that friend. Just, you know, (laughs) Uh, and that is the Calgary Flames, man. Every fucking time I'm like, yo, you know what? Uh, you fucking suck, but you're my suck, and you're giving me a reason not to hate you right now, but now you're... Anyway. That reason's going away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Okay, so, uh, you know what? We're all professionals. Unlike the Calgary Flames, we're going to pick up the rock. We're going to pick up our socks. We're going to have a great show for you guys. It's going to be entertaining for all sorts of the goofiness that you've come to expect from this thing. Uh, and I think a big driving factor is the flagship program of the show. Still up for naming rights. Could be yours uh, heading into next season. Might be a nice stocking stuffer. Uh Ruslan Slay the Land, uh, brought to you by Matt Goob. All right, so uh, last week we had just finished game two. Uh, the Flames won for nothing, but kind of only played really half of a good game in game one. And then game two, we lost in overtime and kind of had this sinking feeling. Yep, to the avalanche. <laughs> brings us to game three. We went to Colorado and <laughs> lost six to two. Getting outshot fifty six to twenty nine, franchise record for shots against in a playoffs. I yeah, think it is. I thought that was yeah. Fifty saves by Mike Smith though, like fuck. Yeah. Anyways, game four still in Colorado, lost three two in overtime. And honestly, a game the Flames played like better, but still not good. Yeah, I mean, they still give up like fifty shots, right? Outshot fifty two to thirty seven. Yeah, that's not going to do it. And then game five in a must-win game. But coming back to the crib Friday night, 
thought the fans would get up for it. Big time. And the Avs beat us 5-1 to one in what was not a very good effort. For Flames sure. with 26 giveaways. We only got outshot 32-29 to 29, if you want to take a positive away. <laughs> but it wasn't good enough. And the Avalanche are advancing to the second round of the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, would you rather look at this game by game or do you want to look at this kind of like as a sum of the parts? Like big picture? In just in general, the effort you saw from the Flames in the series. I think we'll we'll, we'll try to go game to game and then hopefully we'll we'll touch on everything along the way. Um, so game one, I, I guess we did. We ended up doing game one and two on last week's episode, right? We did. Yeah. So I guess we'll just hop right into game three. So we're series shift to Colorado. Uh, I think we all knew heading into Colorado that that was going to be a very hostile barn. And they were going to be on them like from the hop. Like the Flames were already up against it. For sure. Right? It felt like they were losing the series 1-1. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So like they like heading into Colorado, like no one expects you to win both games. But it kind of felt like you were already trailing and you never kind of found your footing. It felt like they were just a step late to everything. Weren't sharp at all. And, uh, you know, again, halfway through that game too, you're just like, oh, maybe it's not their night. Yeah. You know? And then by the end of it, the Shaw totals are egregious. They were grossly outplayed. But you're like, okay, you kind of just wash your hands of this one. Look forward to game four and try to put out a better performance. That's yeah. what I thought anyway. It was like we tried everything and nothing was working, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the Flames had 50 penalty minutes. Uh, Kachuk had a misconduct. Hathaway had a misconduct. And Sam Bennett had a misconduct. Like, I think we tried to outscore them. Mm-hmm. Wasn't working at all. Nathan McKinnon roasted us with two early goals and then an assist all in the first period. Yep. Uh, so we tried to out-physical them and, like, big hits and, you know, bully them, I guess. And that didn't work either. Yeah. We had frequently guys going for big hits in the open ice, whiffing, and then mm-hmm. it's a two-on-one or three-on-one coming back at us. Yeah. I think recurring... A lot of the recurring themes in this entire series were like most evident in Game Three. Like I would say, that's the biggest disaster yeah. game. I think we. Mm. It's it's funny because it feels like we lost that series after that game for sure, right? And then we came and like you know, as you can see by the penalties, like yo, this game is not ours. It's six to two. Yeah, we're gonna send a message, right? right? That we're not going down without a fight. Engage in the rough stuff. Yeah, yeah. and we're gonna kick your ass coming into Game Four. Mm-hmm. And again, Game Four we played better. Yeah, but like still not good yeah relative to the alternative better but otherwise still pretty shit and uh yeah like we had a two nothing lead in game four and lost it with 15 minutes left in the third dude it's crazy because it's just this team just looks so shook like from the beginning of the of the first game of the first series or uh, of game one all the way through they just never looked comfortable at all, right? Everyone was kind of yeah. playing with the puck too much, kind of second-guessing shit. And then, you know, you get too cute, and then so you try to simplify, but you oversimplify, you chip everything in, and then you're chasing the whole night. It was just a fucking mess. They never found the rhythm, and that was actually something I found kind of consistent in listening to the post-game pressers, was just like, oh, we made some mistakes. We couldn't find our footing. We have, like, very specific personnel. These guys play on these situations. Again, in Game 3, the penalty trouble was crazy, Right. Yeah. So, you know, your big line who are supposed to be your best players, they didn't play like the series, but at least on paper, they're on the top of your depth chart. Yeah. They don't get to play at all because you're constantly killing penalties and they don't kill penalties. Right. So, like, you're not utilizing your best lineup. Everything's going to shit. It was a fucking disaster. Like, yeah. Like, Garnett Hathaway played 11 and a half minutes in game three, and four of those were killing penalties. Mm-hmm. Like, half of his ice time was shorthanded. Yep. And it's tough to be effective when that's the case. Right. Right. Uh, I also just thought that, you know, it sounds like a goofy sports cliche, but like they made us play their game, if that makes sense. Yeah. That the Flames, you know, all year it's been Gaudreau carries it up the ice, make, you know, give and go feather pass at the blue line to bring in with speed. And instead what we did was desperately chase around our own end and then flip it just across the blue line to change. Yeah. And then that was it. That was like all the <laughs> offense. Our breakout were non-existent. Yeah. I, like how many times do we carry the puck out of our own end all series like seriously like four right like it was like you desperately chip it up the board so you can get off the ice yeah then the abs just pound it back in behind your net and start all over again absolutely and that's just not how the flames go right like yep. our wheel breakout has been our signature and come out of our own zone with puck control and crisp passes and you know geo captaining things from the back end and instead it was just like flip it straight up in the air towards the jumbotron so mm-hmm. that we can maybe get some fresh legs out no doubt. And there's no way you can't win hockey games that way. Completely agree. And uh, to piggyback off the we played their game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think that was 
like very evident, even us as dudes who like, you know, fucking kind of cover the team a little bit. Right. Right. Uh, like we heading into this, we're like, okay, you have to stop McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, right? You yeah. got to stop them. They're, they're going to be a big problem. And we've been talking about that ad nauseum. And it, it really felt like that message got sunk into the flame so much so that they were like respecting them too much. Agreed. You know, everything was focused around those dudes. And uh, so at, at the expense of, you know, driving home your own game plan. And it it's funny because someone brought it up that maybe the flames were outcoached in the series. And I'm kind of finding it hard to poke holes in that. And this is a guy that I've, again, been beating the drum for a Jack Adams. Uh, kind of got out, out coached, right? A little bit? I don't know how to answer that because, like, we didn't have an answer for Nathan McKinnon. True. Last week we said you live in, you live by the Nathan McKinnon, you die by the Nathan McKinnon, right? Mm-hmm. You win and you lose with him and, like, they won with him, right? Yeah, convincingly. But- I don't think that Bill did a poor job of putting his best defensive player out against Nathan McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Like Backlund, especially in the home games when you got last change, Backlund played like almost every shift against Nathan McKinnon. Like yep. we, and he's our best check down guy, right? Yep. He's our cl- best, you know, take away puck control, ne- neutralize your best player. And Nathan McKinnon just beat him, right? Yeah. Like Backlund didn't have a very good series. And I think it's because he got the toughest assignment and it was just, too fucking tough yeah like michael backland's very good but nathan mckinnon's elite yeah all world and that matchup just got exposed i think yeah i think actually i'll take a break right now for five seconds to uh openly apologize to the colorado avalanche i personally did not think you had a chance in the series uh i can i can wear that my fucking bad sorry this is a flames podcast i was a little biased uh you guys played your fucking bags off absolutely deserve to win the series looks great i hope you guys do really well and i Honestly, it's a it's a well run team. Yeah, and uh, they have a hot goalie. They have a great young star. I think they're gonna make some noise. I think it's looking like it's probably gonna be Vegas. If they end up getting Vegas, they're in for a tough task. I uh, I tweeted it out yesterday, and I still believe it. We got beat by the better team, and yeah. it's like you wouldn't know it from the regular season standings. The Avs had a weird season. They were really hot out of the gate and then kind of like hit this free fall around Christmas. True. And then like played hot down the stretch. Yep. But like you look at how on the power play when they got McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog together, how awesome they were. But then five on five, they split that line up and they're a matchup nightmare. Mm-hmm. And dudes on the back end that I just assumed were shitty. Yep. It's like Zadarov or Patrick Nemeth. Yeah. And like those guys played really well. Dude, Ian Cole, playoff warrior. Like who... Yeah. Who would have thunk it, right? Kill McCarr coming back in, young hotshot. And Gonna like, be a star in this league. How often do we see that? Like, oh, okay, like college guy signed, plays one game, and you're like, okay, I'll see eight minutes. And like, right. But he was amazing. Like, He's he kind of, on one hand, everything came up the Avs. But on the other hand, like, they knew how talented he was. Yep. They'd obviously, like, coached him so that he knew the systems and where to be and where the passes should be appearing. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, was ready. Like, they didn't. Oh, you know, overutilize him or underutilize him. They brought him in when he was ready to roll and he fit right in. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a really good team that we maybe, yeah, got overconfident. We as in the podcast more right. than the flames, but yeah, thinking that they're an eight seed, but yeah, that team was running on all cylinders for sure. They were definitely a wolf in sheep's clothing and, uh, yeah, they show their teeth. Um, so I guess that's okay. One more thing I'll wrap up before we can move on to game four. Cause we've been going on game three forever here now. Uh, Bill Peters and the uh, accusation of maybe being outcoached. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I, I want to make it clear, like I'm not the biggest X's and O's guy, as you know. I never played any formal hockey. Everything's just from watching, right. kind of like reading about it on my own. Uh, so my like terrible, not an expert opinion is in the playoffs, in a, in a free-running sport like hockey, as opposed to like football, where it's the legitimate chess match, you're calling plays, you're making audibles, there's all kinds of stuff. The coach is directly responsible for pre-snap, right. and thus has his fingerprints all over it, similar to baseball. Hockey is much more free forming and it I, I can't see it's kind of more like soccer. You know, there's probably like a general game plan, but otherwise you're kind of at the mercy of the other team. You're constantly making adjustments. Yeah. Right. And I think that making of adjustments is what separates a great coach uh, from a good one. Agreed. And I don't know if Bill Peters made enough adjustments. I think even with the personnel, uh, you know, we went down after game three, we lost that one and we were immediately like, okay, now who slips in? Right. Yeah. Because well, Valamaki didn't play yet. He didn't play game three. You nope. play game four, you play, play game, game four, four, game five, right? So maybe being so slow to making an adjustment, uh, but even like, in personnel, is indicative of being kind of rigid even during the game. 
I guess. Like Valimaki like played well. He passed the eyeball test for me. He yep. fit in. I think he played better than Fantenberg, but it wasn't enough. Like we lost both games that he played. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like a Bill Peters was too slow or maybe sure. he just didn't have the right chess I was, pieces. Right? I was going to say the if it is not Bill Peters getting like egregiously outcoached, then you have to look at personnel, right? Do you have the horses? Do you have the dudes, right? And I think that's going to be a thing that I harp on probably more so than anyone here. Uh, listeners who are not our friends, I kind of had a fucking meltdown the other day. Uh, <laughs> wasn't my wasn't my brightest moment, uh, but I was really down on this team. Uh and as I should be, because they looked fucking pathetic out there. Anyway, game four, still in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, played a little bit better. Wasn't wasn't great. So uh, it was 0-0 zero, zero, uh, through the first period. And then Elias Lindholm scored on the power play. And then Derek Ryan scored in the third to go up two rip, as Cody mentioned, with 15 minutes left. And then JT Comper scores with eight minutes left. Rantanen scores with two and a half minutes left. And then 10 minutes into the first overtime, Rantanen scores again. And uh, three unanswered goals is enough to win a game 3-2. This one, I wanted to like show time on ice because it was the only like close game in the second half of the series as like we mentioned, all hands on deck in controlling Nathan McKinnon. Yep. In game four, he played 28 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, Landis Gog played 27-26 and Ranson played 27-49. Like that's wow. a ton of ice. Man, of my of my bad calls prior to the series, my worst one might have been on Ranton. Ranton, Miko Ranton, I was loud wrong about you. Okay. Like it was you were not unhealthy at all. You fucking killed it. He's actually probably the most dangerous player on that team right now. All the attention on McKinnon. Well, yeah. So he, that, them he, separating. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing yeah. on the second line with Carl Soderberg. And again, like we talked before the series started about like, okay, Carl Soderberg had like 48 points. Like, are you really fucking scared? Like, no, fuck Carl Soderberg. Yeah, like, we, whatever, bro. Yeah. And he, he played awesome. Colin Wilson scored two goals in game five. Dude, Alex Kurtfoot, JT Confer, like they all, the, the real rest. Dudes. Matt yeah, Nieto. Like, Matt Nieto. Had yeah. an awesome series. So anyways, just to like kind of. Handsome Matt Nieto. Stay on topic of game four. We are outshot 52-37, but it was very much. A tight checking game. We scored a couple to get up two rip. And then it was, we are very much trying to win that game 2 nothing. Yeah. And then they score and it's like, yo, but we're just, we'll win it 2-1. Right. Like it's just, just limp across yeah. the yeah. finish line. There was a point with like <laughs> 10 minutes left where I think it, it might have actually been Derek Ryan where they were down in Colorado's end and he's just trying to hug it up against the boards. Yeah. For eight minutes. With 10 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. Like we stopped trying yeah. to score goals. I know. I, it's, it was... You, it was a game that you're up to nothing and you're like yeah. not feeling safe at all. Totally. It, it's funny, man. Like I said, they never looked comfortable. Everyone felt like they were like hanging on for their fucking life. Like every minute of this game. Yeah. Yeah. That we like scored by accident and like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Places people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That we weren't ready for a lead. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that was the closest game. And like, okay. So let's say we like poke one in. In overtime, okay, whatever. We played shitty, but it's 2-2. Yep. But instead, it's 3-1. And honestly, I said it uh, to anyone who would listen. The game, the team who wins game four will win game five, Yeah. right? The Flames go down 3-1. Uh, I just, like, don't think they come back. Yeah. And uh, if the Flames tied it 2-2, I was like, yo, coming back to the crib. Yeah. We're going to go up 3-2, and then it's like, we're back on. Hell yeah. And uh, as you probably could tell, game five didn't go so well. So mm -hmm. I was right on that one. Probably the only take that actually uh, yeah. came true. Five to one avalanche. Uh, they only outshot us 32 to 29, but they carried the play all night. Yep. Uh, they got up early on us. Landis Gog scored and Rantanen scored like kind of back to back. Yep. And then TJ Brody scored with six seconds left in the first. And you're like, yo, like this might be right in there. We got to come out firing in the second. Yeah. And when we came out, just dog shit in the second yeah. and said, uh, college Wilson scores twice in the second Ranton scores, a uh, empty netter, I believe. And that was uh curtains. Yeah. That was the Alexander curtains right there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like it was just, that's what I mean about like the better team, like game five must win. You got to leave it all. Like if you got to block shots, you got to take one in the face mm -hmm. and like, we just couldn't do anything still. It was fucking whack, man. Uh, one thing I want to touch on on the series as a whole is uh, when you go game by game and you look at the scoring logs and you kind of like look like it's it's evident that the Colorado Avalanche, they they won with their best guys. I think you're it, that's another hockey cliche is like your best guys have to be your best guys for sure. And uh, our best group was 
pretty underwhelming, I thought. So game five, Gaudreau zero points, Monaghan zero points. Game yeah. four, Gaudreau zero points, Monaghan zero points. Game three, Gaudreau zero points, Monaghan had an assist. So like those are those are your two dudes. As much as Lindholm like is very good and yep. has had a great season on that line, mm-hmm. he's new this year and like I wouldn't quite consider him in the part of our inner circle quite yet yeah right like it's Gaudreau Monaghan like Backlund and Geo those are like the fucking dudes that have been here yeah they control that room absolutely this is their team and I like Gaudreau and Monaghan in particular I really 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 was disappointed yeah the thing that like keeps obviously I I love Backlund and Giordano and I wear that on my sleeve and I, do, I don't hide that at all but they're a little bit man I can't even I was gonna say they're kind of I'm easier on them. I'm not as hard on them. Right. Because Goudreau and Monaghan's role is almost exclusively to provide offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we build this whole team around, you know, putting them in positions where they can succeed and don't have to, like, give anything up on the other end. Yeah. Uh, and they couldn't do that. Right. When they needed it, when they had the best team they've ever had around them, mm-hmm. they were unable to do so. Uh, whereas, you know, Backlund with Giordano's responsibilities primarily are, like, defensive and, like, leadership. You For know, sure. That kind of shit. But but they were also not great. No, Jordano and Backlund weren't great either. Honestly, and like I fucking it pains me to say this, but like Sam Bennett was our best flame, right? Yeah, he came out with piss and vinegar and like was just drilling guys. And Absolutely. I was like, this is why we need all twelve forwards to play. Yeah, and, and I don't know why the message got lost on the other eleven. Dude, I swear to God, I, I came to a couple of realizations in this playoffs. Is like that old bullshit thing about like the game being completely different. The refs swallow the whistle. Yeah, it's a different game in the playoffs. It's like completely evident. Uh, and there's some dudes that like rise to that level and some that don't, I'm not saying you necessarily have to get like big fat dudes who like want to grind it out in the corners. If you want to keep a small speedy team, kind of like the flames and the, or the abs have, yeah. uh, you just got to have like dudes that play with some urgency. Right. And that's something that actually Cody mentioned about Sam Bennett. Like he's the only dude who's playing with any sense of urgency. He understands the magnitude of the situation yeah. and is trying to elevate his play to match that. And there's some guys that are able to do so, and I don't know how many of those guys are on the Flames. I I, I agree. And, I mean, like, we benched James Neal for game five. Yeah. We brought in Zarnik, who played five minutes and was invisible out there. Yeah. Like, and you bring in a guy like James Neal, presumably, I, because he's a dude whose cachet carries that he is a dude who shows up who gets you know gets up for these games right he fucking loves playing in the playoffs to to be honest man the only guy who like that narrative has actually come to fruition is with mike smith mike smith played his fucking bag that's true that's right as much as we're all doom and gloom smith is what probably had the best playoff series of any goaltender in the nhl absolutely and his team got throttled yep for the record, though, just not taking anything away again from the abs, Philip Grubauer also has like a sky-high save percentage. True. Grubauer played, his bag played off. awesome, yeah. too. Played great. Uh, where I was going with the Zarnik thing is that before the series, we talked about how deep the flames are and how right. shallow the abs. Like, that's our big competitive advantage mm-hmm. is that, yo, our third and fourth line and like our 15th and 16th forwards are still so That's hot, right. That's right. right. Yeah. And then, so it comes time to like, okay, we need to like access that depth because we need to shake things up. And what we draw is Austin Zarnik and five minutes of ice. Yeah. Like maybe that's coaching or maybe we're just like Zarnik had a hot three weeks in the end of March and we think he's way better than he is. Yeah. But at like that, we didn't have the depth that we needed. Right. Mm-hmm. We needed some guys to step up and we, they didn't. Like, I don't know. Val, Val Mackey played well. I think it reasserted how he's going to be a top four guy next year. And yeah. He's he's a freaking stud. Yeah. But at the same time, like, like what we traded for Fantenberg at the deadline because we like thought we needed him and he was like shitty yeah he uh if you watch the games like he took two or three hooking penalties all on Nathan McKinnon where he just walked around him because yeah. he's too fast and Fantenberg's <laughs> only like option was to water ski him from behind yeah and just get dragged along and then that's two for hooking two for holding it, yeah it fucking sucks uh don't think just answer is Mike Smith could be on this team next year no you don't no. think so no I don't think so either. If anything, I think this series widened the gap. Yeah. Now, when he sucked, we were like, okay, maybe you bring on Mike on like a one and a half million dollar contract. You and Dave can kind of like just be homies. Yeah. 50 50 it again until Dave's like ready to take a full load. Yeah. But now I think Mike Smith's going to want like this big ass contract. Yo, I was your best player in the playoffs. I elevate my game. Yeah. Absolutely. What you need. (laughs) And like, I especially with how our like old free agents. 
have Dude, been. No shit, hey. Like that we just can't afford to spend five million bucks on another year of Mike Smith. Yeah, it's funny because uh during my like sky is falling rant I had the other day, everyone was like, Oh, Joe, then what is your solution to like, oh, you know, blowing up the core or whatever the fuck? Right? Is like, oh, I was like, oh, maybe we should go out and get a free agent. And then I was like, oh, but we're fucking bad at that. We might like, you know what? Actually, don't buy any free agents. Yeah. yeah like, put the pocketbook away. That was one thing I wanted bit. to ask you. So, uh, there's a clip on SportsCenter of the Flames at practice, I believe, before game four. Mm-hmm. And it was James Neal and Bill Peters getting in like a verbal altercation. I saw that. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think it had audio, but the implication was that he James Neal was like, yo, I need more ice time. And yep. Bill Peters was like, no, you fucking don't. You already have too much. Like, prove. Yeah. And then he was a healthy scratch for game five. Ooh. Like, do you... Trouble in paradise, man. Hey, if you can find anyone to take that albatross of a contract, even if you have to eat a little bit of money... Like, I think the deal looks like James Neal and a third round pick, or James Neal and Oliver Shillington yeah. for, like, a sixth rounder. You give James Neal to, like, Seattle. You, like, find a way to, like, throw in a pick, and they're like, here, you can have James Neal. Like, put James Neal on your fucking team. But like, here's a pick. Okay, so right? let, let's say that's your plan. Yeah. James, that's, like, that's next summer, 2020. Right. Like, right. he's still on your team next that's season. That's right. I guess that's fair. So, like... I, I guess you hope that it was just a down year, but like if him and the coach already don't get along, his contract fucking sucks. The fan base hate him. Yeah. Like, do you look at maybe like, yo, we just, you buy him out. You buy another fucking five and a half million dollar dude out. No, I can't. That, that will be too expensive of a buyout, yeah. especially with, uh, like we got to sign Kachuk. We got to sign Magipani. We got to sign Dave, Sam Bennett. Yeah. Sam Bennett, David Riddich. Yeah. Uh, and like Lance Boma is just coming off this year. Yeah. We have two more years of Troy Brower. Yeah. I don't think you can afford another buyout. I I honestly think you light a draft pick on fire to give him to whoever will take him. Yep. And then you just figure that that second round pick in 2020 yep. is not going to be on your team kind of in this like winning window we've set up with right. like the four years left of Gaudreau and Monaghan. Mm-hmm. And then you just like take that one on the chin. Yep. But then that frees up space to sign yourself a goalie or sign, you know, re-sign these guys we just talked about. Totally. But I... Yeah, he was fucking shitty in the playoffs. And look, the worst part for me is like James Neal was like, you know, he's like my guy. Like I didn't love him, but I was like, he's just an unfortunate reality. He has to be on the ice. <laughs> and in game one, he came out and he was hitting guys hard. Like we were all fired up for like playoff James Neal and he played so good. Yeah. And he got fucking worse every game. And like I wasn't even mad when they scratched him in game five. Like, bro, this was your chance to prove your fucking contract, right? Yeah. Like you had 82 games of patience because we were waiting for this and then you came out good and all you had to do was not fuck up, right? Like everyone around you is playing like dog shit. You just had to be average and that would make you the best flame. And what did you do? Oh, you let that fucking cross-ice pass go through you and get in overtime and then boom, flames lose. Like, uh. Buddy, yeah. Man, you saw the light. Congratulations, welcome aboard. Fuck James Neal, man. <laughs> it's so fucking frustrating. And you know what? That kind of ties into this like overarching theme that I saw and heard a lot about of the Flames don't have playoff experience. Oh, yeah. And this is the most bullshit thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Yes, we haven't been there a lot. But how do you get playoff experience? You win fucking games in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We've won one series with this quote unquote core group of Johnny, uh, Sean, and even fucking Sam Bennett and Geo. Yeah. We've won one series and then we lost in five to the Ducks. Yeah. Next time we got swept by the Ducks. Yeah. And then fucking just right now, we lost in five to the Avs. Yeah. You can't gain playoff experience if you're going in and playing five games and then fucking hitting the links. Absolutely. Yeah. It's true. Agree. You know who has less playoff experience than the Flames? The Avs. The, the Colorado Avs. fucking Avalanche. Avalanche. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yo, let it flow through you, man. Fuck, See, man. This was this was at the crux of my quote unquote meltdown. <laughs> was look, man. I'm not. I cooler heads prevailed. I'm not necessarily advocating Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau out of Calgary. I'm not. Okay, I want to make that clear. However, uh, I I think we should be more critical of them. You know. Yeah. Because this whole like, oh my god, it's only been you know three playoff runs where they get fucking embarrassed. That's bullshit to me. Right. Getting embarrassed once like that is too much. Right to to go out there and continue to just go out with a fucking whimper like this, yeah, uh, is indicative of what might be a pattern on their character. For what it's worth, on that, um, John, Sean, and Sam Bennett all have twenty games played in the playoffs. Okay, Nathan McKinnon has eighteen. 
Look at that. And right? he fucking embarrassed us for yeah. five straight games. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not afraid of the moment, right? No. Yeah, he's ready to go. He, he was for this. He was the definition of just do what you've done all year, right? Treat it like any other game. Yo, your game is to skate really fast down the boards, pull up, create space, and then look for the pass, right? Yeah. And if they play the pass, you take a shot. He's literally done that for 82 games, and he did it against us and worked like a charm. Yeah. What is Gaudreau's game? Same thing. Skating down the wing, pull up, find the pass, get the puck to the slot. Yeah. And Monaghan, just stand there with your stick on the ice. It'll we find you somehow. We couldn't fucking do that. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, we played completely different hockey than we have for 82 games, and I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It was really some shit. But I will. I did want to bring this up. So this is Gaudreau's fifth season with the Flames. Yep. And he's made three playoff appearances mm -hmm. and won one series. Yeah. In Alex Ovechkin's first five seasons with the Capitals, yep. he made three appearances in the playoffs and won one series. Okay. So, yes, like, Ovi, only, he has one cup and Crosby has three. Yep. But, like, my point being that it can take time. Some guys are late playoff bloomers. Absolutely. Like Johnny wasn't, like, an 18-year-old that made the show, right? He made mm -hmm. it when he was 20. So, maybe... I don't know. The, the clock is ticking. Like if next year yeah. we make the playoffs and get our fucking ass kicked in five again, yeah. we're probably having a different conversation. Can I ask though, how many points did Ovechkin have in those runs? Yeah, I bet you we played pretty was well. Was it more than zero? Zero. Was it more than one? Yeah, uh, it was more than one. Okay. Actually, like to Cody's point, like again, I'm not defending Gaudreau. He had a fucking horrible series. Right. But yeah, so Ovi went miss-miss, but presumably the Capitals, he was drafted first overall. They were shitty, sure right? Yep. His third season, they lost in seven, but he had nine points. His second season, he played 14 playoff games with 21 points. Pretty good. And his third season, they lost in the first round, but he had 10 points yeah. in that series. It's also like not exactly fair to like compare him to like probably the greatest goal scorer in league history. But like, but but uh, you know, but uh, anyway, go ahead. My point was when Gaudreau's contract, his RFA contract came up, yeah. he held out all the way through that World Cup, right? All the way through the preseason mm -hmm. and signed like the second game of the regular season, right? Did yep. we miss a game of Gaudreau because he like wasn't caught up to speed or whatever? I'm not, I can't quite remember, but I do remember following this huge holdout, holdout, right? Yeah. And his, he settled quote unquote for this $6.75 million contract because he thought that like that was too low, right? Yeah. So he had this big holdout. And my point being, if you think you're that fucking good, you got to play that fucking good, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I, he was bad. His give, like he had just giveaway after giveaway in this playoff series. And I just, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a really good forward in the NHL. Nothing. You know, sometimes plays good and sometimes plays bad. Yeah. But like, if you're going to, you know, tell us that we got to pay you up the ass. Yeah. And that you're, you're be a so focal fucking point good. Yeah. And that you needed one fewer years than Monaghan because yep. you need to cash in your big cash contract as a UFA. That's right. Then you got to score. Well, yeah. Like Cody said, more than one fucking assist in five playoff games. Yeah. Preach it, man. Let it, let it get through you. I love it. Well done. Uh, but yeah. And, and to piggyback off the playoff experience thing, talking about this core of Sean John, uh, when do you draw that arbitrary distinction? When is that line where you're like, okay, maybe he's just like a dude who doesn't get it done in the playoffs? Because we're looking at three playoffs now, right? If they come, if they, first of all, we're also expecting this to be a window, which I don't know. There's some debate to that, right? Like in my opinion, because this is the best, everyone of the flames had a fucking career year. We actually talked about this a couple podcasts ago, right? Is this Johnny Gaudreau's best year, right? 99 points. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Look, look at the guys around him, right? Jordano career year. Yep. Monaghan career year. Yep. Lindholm career year. Yep. Are they going to... Derek all, Ryan career year. Are they all going to take steps forward? Is there room for this team to go to get better? That's kind of my point. Is like this iteration of the Flames, I think might be their cap. This might be the best Flames we get, right? I. That's what scares me is that we were healthy all year. We were 100% healthy for the playoffs. Yep. And you're right. Every, like Geo career year for sure. Unfortunately, but it's true. Yeah. Right? Like... Derek Ryan easily could be career year. Yep. Like Matthew Kachuk could be a career year, 77 or whatever. It's yep. like a gritty second line winger. Yep. And like, this is all, all we can muster in the playoffs mm -hmm. that next year we might be like a fourth seed. And then you run up against like these abs again, or the sharks or the Knights who are still really, really good. Yep. And we get th bodied again, man, because this is the only product we can put on the ice. Totally. And I think what's really scary is that there's also the opposite chance that like, maybe this isn't the best that they're going to be in terms of production, like they might find room to elevate their game. Right. But what this might be showing of is of their character, their mental toughness, their ability to get up for games. Yeah. I know everyone hates talking about the intangibles these days. It's not exactly a sexy topic. It kind of makes you seem like a dinosaur, but they're real things, man. You know, uh, they just kind of were fragile. They crumpled, you know? Yeah. Well, um, 
And that is more terrifying to me than the prospect of them not being able to replicate this level of production. Yeah. Because I think even I would take less production if more of them were, you know, just a little bit tougher. And like I'm looking at guys like Michael Froelich, one year left on his deal, age 31. Like, you got to show up, man, or else you're going to be getting the James Wisniewski treatment and, like, assistant captaining the Kozlov, like, locomotives or whatever <laughs> in the fucking K minor leagues. Like, honestly, uh, like, Yuri Hoodler, same thing. It was like, yo, you're, like, pretty good, but not quite good enough. And then where does he go? He vanishes into thin air. Yeah. TJ Brody, you got one year left on your deal. You better think fucking hard about playing better or else you're going to be, like, bagging groceries at the IGA. Uh, holy fuck. You want to talk about Not them? only think about fucking playing better, learn how to stand on your fucking feet. How many times did he fall over this series? Yeah, he had a bad series. Yeah. He's Not actually, only fall over, but fall over and give the puck away when he's the last man back. Terrible yeah, pinches. So bad. Go for the puck. Realize you're going to be the second man in. So you're like, fuck, I'm going to just try and hit him because I can't get to the puck. Whiff on the hit. And then it's three on one going the other way. He actually had a nightmare fuel of a series. And it's actually been a really rough two years for him. And I definitely think he's out of town next year. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think... The organization looks really hard at moving Brody. More so on like, a, yeah, he had a terrible playoffs. I think the fan base has lost trust in him. Yep. And you have so many good dudes pushing for ice. Without a doubt. And maybe he has a little bit of uh, trade value yeah. in that his contract's not awful. Yeah. And that he's not super old. And that defense is a really tough position to like find depth at. Yep. But yeah, you can find a home for TJ Brody. You, James Neal is going to be a tough sell, but there's someone out there who will be a suitor for TJ Brody. And one year left on that deal instead of four. Yeah. Right. Do you think he's going to be a guy that moves to the draft or the deadline next year? I think I think he doesn't make it into camp with us. I think he's going to trade in the offseason. I think there's a really good chance he gets I traded. I would love for him to be traded in the offseason, but yep. if I think he's moving, I think it'll be at the deadline. Okay. Interesting. Really? But, okay, so let's explore that for a bit. So... We get to the deadline next year. We're presumably in a playoff spot, right? right. And then we're going to, like, sell a top Yeah, if, five. If, if you think this team is, like, still going to be, like, lights out good, then, yeah. You're yeah. going to be looking at adding shit, not, you know, yeah. trading it away. But, hmm. Yeah. <sighs> it's too bad. It really is. Uh, maybe we'll break there. We'll come back. We have a few Instagram things. Uh, and what is going to be our final, like, little Instagram question of the season? Hey, Matt, I just picked up this fancy new Instagram thing. And while it's pretty cool with all the scantily clad ladies selling teeth whitening kits, I'm actually looking for some flames content. You should check out the Seeing Red Instagram account. Hmm, Seeing Red Instagram account? I'm unfamiliar. It's full of flames content, interactive polls, and funny jokes about us. Wow, that sounds great. You can find us at Seeing Red Podcast, as well as on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. All right, and we're back. Uh, thanks for sticking around. I know that was probably pretty tough on you, so uh, we're happy to have you here. Um... Typically, classic to the show, as we've been doing all year, we kind of like try to throw something out to our Instagram following, kind of see where everyone's head's at. Uh, the usual suspects replied in today, so uh, I kept it very general. I was just like, yo, tell me about the flames, huh? You know? Come on in. I'm a nice shoulder to cry on, so <laughs> tell me all your feelings. Our first response in that same ilk is from Case Drybosh 21 uh, Red Deer resident. He says, I hate them and myself. Uh, thanks for writing in, Kevin. Uh, so do I. <laughs> I echo that sentiment wholeheartedly. Uh, our second response comes in from average underscore Joe B on Instagram. He says, as a Canucks fan, I feel your heartbreak. Glad you came back. Hope you return next year. Uh, thanks a lot. Average Joe B. Thanks for listening. Uh, I, I will probably be back next year. Uh, contract discussions with these guys. I don't know. Uh, they might demand more money, in which case I can't pay them. Sign Joe to a 24 beer contract. Biggest in podcast <laughs> history. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, thanks. Uh, last one is from friend of the podcast, Spenny Sakura, who says, does Monaghan suck? Is there some bones to to pick with Sean Monaghan? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. The kay. first thing that I thought is actually quote or shout out to Steinberg, who was quoted as saying this when I was drunk as fuck listening to overtime last night. Nah. He's like, you kind of have to hope that maybe Monaghan was hurt because if he wasn't hurt, then like, what the fuck? Right. Like completely invisible, a complete non-factor. I guess he he did have two goals, which is pretty good for like this series. Well, you know what? A goal like, and an assist in five games. They were very it? Sean Monahan goals, right? Yeah. Like the one in game two, he was just hacking away in front of the net, and it happened to go fucking mm -hmm. behind Grubauer. But like, yeah. But that's what he does. Yeah, right? that's what I'm that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like do, they they yeah. were very Sean Monahan goals. Yeah, very uninspiring. Yeah. I don't know what to do with him. Like, well, here's here's what I was gonna bring up was 
I know for their entirety of their career together, Monaghan's just been attached to Goudreau's hip. Right. And I'm kind of interested to see what would happen if you separated the two. Because I think you might find out that maybe Sean Monaghan's like not that good. Because it certainly seems like, like yeah. he in a vacuum is like kind of not great. I like feel like he's a guy like I talk about the eyeball test and that like looking up a guy's stats on hockey DB isn't the same as watching him for 82 games. Yeah. And this year I thought the eyeball test was like pretty bad, but he like scored 34 goals. Dude, he's got like 30 goals like every year. And the year before that was like the wrist gate, right? Where it's yeah. like, yo, he's playing so hurt. Like once we're out of the playoffs, like just get Monahan out of there. Yeah. But like he scored 31 last year, which was also a career high. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, and then the year before, like 27, 27, and then 31 the year before. Like he has a pretty good repeatable pattern of like 27 plus goals every year in the league. True. But you're right on the ice and he plays a lot. So like you see him out there for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. like a lot of shifts. He does not impact the game on the ice. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I don't know if he sucks. I don't think he sucks. I think him being used as the number one center on this team might be mismanagement or well, like as the de facto number one center. That's you know kind of I mean? where I was going. So his contract is 6.375 mil, which yep. in today's NHL is actually like not kind of a bargain. Much. Yeah. If you get 30 goals for the next four years of that deal before it runs out, you're probably like getting your money's worth. Mm-hmm. But also, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Just one quick point. These guys are also like still fucking like pretty young. He's right. twenty, yeah, twenty four yeah. years old, but that's kind of like when you got to be in your prime these days, right? Yep. Like dudes, unless you're like Yager, like guys have good years till they're thirty two, and then you hey, disappear. David Backus turn, goes from like elite power forward to like a third line grinder out of the lineup in Boston. Absolutely. I was just gonna make a quick note on Yarmir Yager scored four goals to bring a team into promotion into the KHL last Jesus. night. Unreal. Guys like fucking 100. Yo, that's who we needed. Yeah. You know what? This team really started to go to shit once Yager left it. Perennial playoff guy, Yarmir Yager. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I guess, like, this is not Monaghan specific, just in general, our team. Like, I feel like you need, like, an like a absolute stud at center to, like, compete in this league, right? Yeah, certainly feels like it. Like, the whole, like, scoring by committee can get you into the playoffs, but... And like when everyone shortens their bench and it's like you got to match up your best against their best, you I think we need a guy better than Sean Monaghan. And I, I don't fault Bill Peters because he was the best we had, right? Yep. But like you're looking at teams like McKinnon or like, you know, like the Oilers. <laughs> well, I guess like that's what I was th- like. Yeah, you're thinking like contradicts centers, what I'm right? about to yeah. say. But I'm thinking like a Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, different, different class than Monaghan, right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. No? Eh. I, I don't know. I'm not as high on Mark Shifley as everybody else is. But Shifley's really good. He's really good. Yeah. But uh like to say like different class like outright. Actually, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm on board. Shifley's better than Monahan. Just like a Stamkos Akut like Do you think he's like in that next tier? If you're doing like a tier list. Yeah. Right? Like OP as fuck is like McKinnon, McDavid, Crosby, Crosby Malkin. Malkin. Uh Austin Matthews. Yep. Yeah, I'll throw him in there. That's probably the list, right? And there's like a second tier, right? Is yeah. that where you're throwing like Shifley? Uh, but like, I don't think Monahan's in, like, I think he's in a really good tier, but yeah. not like but a not bona fide like, number one game changer. Okay. To, yeah. to your point, I think you could play McDavid or McKinnon or Steve Stamkos with like you and me, and yep. they still like get shit done out there. You're mm-hmm. probably not as effective as two really good wingers, yeah. but like you can still just by being how good you are, yeah. get the puck on your stick and do something productive with it. Right. I don't think Monahan is that guy. He needs good line mates to like produce. Yeah. You never see Monahan just go coast to coast, right? Yeah. You never see him pick the puck up, deke through two guys and score. Yeah. It's he needs someone to pass it to him standing in the slot. Dude, we always talk about the backland bump, but like there might be a Gaudreau bump because Elias Lindholm started playing one season with fucking Johnny Gaudreau and totally. went fucking batshit, right? Yeah. So uh, that's kind of my point is like if you separated Gaudreau and Monaghan, I'm interested to see like if Gaudreau played with a better center, Yeah. right? Is he scoring 130 points? Is he leading the league in scoring? I don't know, right? Uh, it's tough to say. Yeah, and it's also tough to get a fucking center better than Sean Well, Monaghan. that's the thing, yeah. right? Is we can easily say, he's not good enough. We need to get a better... But like, right. how? How? Right? Yeah. You phone Avs and say, hey, you'd like to trade for Nathan <laughs> McKinnon? Like, please. Yeah, we'll give you one of everything. Take yeah. the red arrow up to Edmonton and knock on the yeah. door of the... Yeah. Hey, you know what? He might be listening. He might be looking for some suitors pretty quick Fuck. here. Yeah. But I think... You, I, this is like for the next three years until Gaudreau's contract is up. This yep. is the squad, right? Yep. We got Backlund signed through those years. We got 
uh, Geo signed through those years. We got Lindholm signed through those years. We got Hanneman signed for those years. You have Kachuk signed through those years. You have Valimaki on his ELC for the next two, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, Kachuk will presumably gets re-signed. But yeah, that's the this, squad. This Better or squad. worse, this is the squad. True. Right? Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, all we can do is just hope that they elevate, right? Or Monaghan elevates, I guess. I, I like next year if we make the playoffs, which I, I honestly think we will, right? Like, yep. am I crazy or that like we had a terrible series? We kind of had a shitty finish to the year. Like, but when I say finish, I mean the last three games, not like the last 20. Right. Like, well, I don't know. It seemed like as soon as we clinched in San Jose on that Sunday night, yeah. like we benched some guys, but like also true. played them true, most true, games true, and true. like everyone sucked. Yeah. We like got schooled by the Oilers in the last game of the year, which was allegedly like our playoff lineup that we're oh yeah the tuning we're, up. That's right. And we we're sucked, right? For them. Yeah. Ugh. But I, I, let's like I'm gonna listen to this podcast again next year and be like, yo, even if we're like the two seed playing like a three who like we think we're way better than, mm-hmm. it's like anything can happen in the playoffs. Yeah. Yes, right. It's gonna be interesting to see because, like I said, everyone from like a personal standpoint seemed to like play their best year, and statistically, like basically everybody did. So, to me, for me to project them to be like you know as good as they were this year, I'm probably not that confident about that. But to hedge and be like they'll make the playoffs, like yeah, I kind of see that because the Kings are still gonna be bad, the Ducks are still gonna be bad, the Yotes are still gonna be bad. Are they? I think so. They were like pushing for a playoffs. Actually, that's true. They, and they're and like they were super hurt as young. fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Actually, the Yotes might be good. Ec- the Oilers, the Oilers might be good, right? Oilers are a wild card. Yeah, they're fucking terrible, but they got. Two excellent hockey players. In the Leon Canucks and were in the McKinley. playoff fight for probably half the year. Yeah, they're gonna be better like too. Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, Dude, uh, Pedersen. Yeah, Hughes. They're good. Yeah, yeah. Hughes. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So hang on, I'll just want to run through this quick before we maybe wrap this up. But of our like top, let's call it thirteen, like dudes who like really played in the forward group this year, like everyone under contract that for three plus years is staying. You think Mike Froelich is on the team? Next year in camp? Nope. You're not going to throw Leak or Brody, I don't think. Or Smith. Smith, I agree. You think they both get traded? Yeah. Well, Just for, like, picks? I don't know. For whatever you can get. If you can get picks, I think that works out great because you have, like, a nice pipeline of young talent that's coming up. I think Froelich got exposed as, like, the absolutely the backland bump that, like, yeah. he was too slow in the playoffs. He barely, like... He playing like 11 minutes once he's off the backland line. Mm-hmm. His job was to check McKinnon. He did a terrible job of that. Yep. I think Mike Froelich's kind of like time is the golden child of two-way hockey is, is closed. Yeah. I don't know if we'll trade him or not, but there, I don't think we'll re-sign him past that. And quite honestly, I think there is like a good chance that yeah. if he plays, he's in our bottom six. You know what? It's, it's going to be a really interesting offseason because it seems like the Flames do have uh, a situation where they have to make room for guys like Dubé. Uh, guys like Zarnik, uh, if you think he's part of the solution, if you think that, you know, Alan Quine needs more fucking ice. Well, that's where I was getting down to this list. So like Gaudreau, Monaghan, Neil, presumably Backlund, Lindholm, all Derek Ryan, all under contract. Sam Bennett is an RFA, but he'll be on the team. Jankowski is signed through next year. Austin Zarnik is signed through next year. Dylan Dubé is still on his ELC. Yeah. All of those guys will be up with the big club, right? Mm hmm. Uh, Matt Kachuk is an RFA. We all assume we'll sign him. Garnett Hathaway, 27 years old, made 850 grand this year as a pending UFA. Yep. Do you think he's back? No. I don't think they can fit him in. He like presumably wants a raise. Like he played the best hockey that Garnett Hathaway can play. Yep. Which like is still like pretty uninspiring. Yeah. I kind of think he's replaceable. Yep. Yeah. I think Garnett Hathaway is off this team too. Dylan Dubé, full-time team member next year. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane, RFA. Dude, yeah. I, I mean, you think he's a regular shift? You think he plays seventy games next year? Yes, absolutely. Guys, full. He's a dude that plays with some urgency and has all year. He's yeah. played like a dude who's trying to get a fucking job. He exactly. He yeah. plays what I wish everyone would play. In that, yo, when I'm on the ice, I need to make that shit count yeah. because there's eleven other guys that want those minutes. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, look at his goal in, in game one. It's yeah, all effort, dude. Right? He took it. It's a hard work goal. Everybody twice and then slid on his ass and still scored a goal. Yeah, dude, and goal. it fucking blew the roof off the fucking stadium yeah right like everyone was fired up after that it was a great goal from like a dude who you anything you got out of andrew Mangiapane at the start of the year yeah was gravy ever to come in there and have the cajones to pull a move like that and fucking you know score a goal like that absolutely it's, in, it's indicative of like a, a, a strong young man that i'm very happy to have on this team yeah i couldn't agree more i think he will be 
probably in a bottom six role, probably playing like 12 minutes a night, but mm-hmm. he gives you jump, which we were desperately lacking, especially in this playoff series. Yep. From again, the bottom of the lineup, I think he's a, uh, he's a lock. I think this forward core could actually, this team could look like pretty drastically different next year, which is funny because do you remember when we were looking at like the last flames playoff game, like the depth chart or whatever with like fucking drew shore and like, no, it was exactly 12 months ago, right? Oh, was that it? And uh, it was Drew Shore, Nick Shore, one yeah, of them. one of the Shores. But we had traded for Chris Stewart at the deadline, yeah. and he Big was in there. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, what the hell is this? Yeah, and it's like the next year you're in the playoffs with like all these good dudes. Yeah. But uh, I think there's there's jobs to be had on this team. Um, and, well, yeah. I think like the exit interviews and stuff with some of these guys would be like, yo, we have a pretty good like pipeline of like young, hungry talent. Yeah. Like Kirby Reichel is going to be in camp next year. and like You love Kirby Reichel. He, had an off- <laughs> he was the best player on the Stockton Heat. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> He was. I'm not. All right. Sorry, man. That wasn't a take. Kirby Reichel literally will be in camp next year. That's not a hot take. We invite like 50 guys. You just always mentioned Kirby Reichel. You fucking love Kirby Reichel. (laughs) Kirby Reichel is Mike. (laughs) Shut up. Anyways, my point being that you have to tell these guys, like Froleek's a perfect example. Of like, I don't care how long you've been here. I don't know how many, care how many goals you scored two years ago. Like, these are precious minutes because we've got a lot of guys that are hungry for them. And Manjapane is a perfect example of like, who, who played fucking better the last two weeks of the year? No doubt. Manjapane right? or Froleek, right? Yeah. And it's like, yo. Dude, and if if guys like Sam Bennett can take a step, you know, if like maybe this is uh, more indicative of like what Sam Bennett can actually do. Yeah. You know, he, he had like five points in this series, didn't he? Four or five points, something like that. He's like the most productive flame for sure. He had the most impact on the ice. The most times you were like, yo, what a play, right? Yeah. Good hit. Yeah, good he, takeaway. He had a goal and four assists. So five points. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty like, good, right? Go Sam Bennett. Yeah. Go Flames. Go Sam Bennett, man. It's the fucking tagline. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we should wrap it up here. Uh, guys, thanks for doing this. Um, good to have you guys both back. Actually, it's funny. I think a big part of the reason why we brought the band back together was because the Flames were enjoying some success. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? It's kind of fun to do this thing. And uh, it's fun to cover a good hockey team for once. We should have known the whole time that it was always going to end this way. It was never yeah. going to, it was never going to be nice. We can't uh, have nice things. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully we'll see you later on. Maybe we'll do something for the draft or yeah. Yeah. Just spot here and there. Thank all the listeners. I know uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there these days. Absolutely. We're fighting for airtime, just like totally. Manjapane is fighting for ice time, but <laughs> I want to thank everyone for listening, especially for like engaging in the social media. Like that helps us, you know, uh, we're only three guys. We kind of watch hockey similarly together. Right. So you getting some outside opinions is always helpful. It's always nice to kind of hear what other people are thinking about the flames. So yeah, thanks for, you know, doing your part as the listener. Yep. Without you guys, we're just three dudes in, in Joe's apartment. So, (laughs) uh, so yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, so have a great summer. Uh, enjoy the rest of the playoffs, whoever your you know second favorite team is. Right. I'll be pulling for the Leafs, so uh, I'm sure that's going to go well. Actually, that's a good question. Cody, who's your like second team that you'll be cheering for? I'm done watching hockey. <laughs> I probably won't tune in like every day, but like if I'm like sitting at home on Wednesday night and there's a playoff game, especially late in the series, like a game six or something. Yep. I'll be watching. I'm also a problem gambler, so like I'm gonna be watching everything. So <laughs> it's happening. It's uh, happening. I kind of think like the Jets were like are gonna do well. Like yeah. they're down three two, but like I think they're gonna win that series still. I don't wow. know. They're just good. Yeah. Man, that is probably the least inspiring thing any Jets fan has ever heard. You're bad luck, man. Get bring this team down with yeah, it. Yeah, everything I love. Hey, it sucks. So yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, once again, thanks a lot. Uh, and happy night. This is Seeing Red. <laughs>